Hello, and welcome back to Tabling the Podcast. My name is Ariana Karp, and I'm here with a wonderful group of actors that's going to take us through the second half of Act 4 of The Taming of the Shrew. Um, In the first half, we got our first taste of Petruchio's home life, (laughs) his uh, relationship with his servants, um, and uh, we talked a lot about the power of imitating destructive behavior and how complicated that can get ethically as well. Um, and there were a lot of really interesting conundrums that I think we were, we were investigating. So definitely check out part one of act four. Um, so now we're going to move on. This is so Kate and Petruchio have presumably been at Petruchio's home for a while and the indication we get that is that nobody's eating (laughs) from this first scene so if we recall uh Petruchio trashed the meat threw stuff hit his servants um and said we can't eat this Kate because this is dry meat it's going to we're both very quick to anger this will be very bad for us so it's okay we'll just fast together so important to remember they're both fasting, both of them. So this would make anyone extra hangry. Um, okay, so whenever you're ready, let's let's go through four, three, and we'll we'll probably stop because this is a longer scene. We'll probably stop and start a bit. No, no, forsooth. I dare not for my life. The more my wrong, the more his spite appears. What did he marry me to famish me? Beggars that come unto my father's door upon entreaty have a present alms. If not elsewhere, they meet with charity. But I, who never knew how to entreat, nor never needed that I should entreat, am starved for meat, giddy for my lack of sleep, with oaths kept waking and with brawling fed, and that which spites me more than all these wants, he does it under name of perfect love. As who should say if I should sleep or eat, toward deadly sickness or else present death. I pray thee go and get me some repast. I care not what, so it be wholesome food. What say you to a neat's foot? Tis passing good, I pray thee let me have it. I fear it is too choleric a meat. How say you to a fat tripe, finely broiled? I like it well, good Grumio, fetch it me. I cannot tell, I fear tis choleric. What say you to a piece of beef and mustard? A dish that I do love to feed upon. Aye, but the mustard is too hot a little. Why then the beef and let the mustard rest? Nay, then I will not. You shall have the mustard, or else you get no beef of Grumio. Then both, or one, or anything thou wilt. Why then, the mustard without the beef. Go get thee gone, thou false deluding slave that feasts me with the very name of meat. Sorrow on thee and all the pack of you that triumph thus upon my misery. Go get thee gone, I say. How fares my Kate? What, sweetie, all mort? Mistress, what cheer? Faith as cold as can be. Pluck up thy spirits, look cheerfully upon me. Here, love, thou seest how diligent I am to dress thy meat myself and bring it thee. I'm sure, sweet Kate, this kindness merits. Thanks. What, not a word? Nay, then, thou lovest 
It not, and all my pains assorted to no proof. Here, take away this dish. Pray you let it stand. The poorest service is repaid with thanks, and so shall mine before you touch the meat. Thank you, sir. Petruchio, fie, you are too blame. Come, Mistress Kate, I'll bear you company. Eat it up all, Hortensio, if thou lovest me. Much good do it unto thy, thy gentle heart. Kate, eat apace. And now, my honey love, we will return unto thy father's house and revel it as bravely as the best, with silken coats and caps and golden rings, with ruffs and cuffs and farthingales and things, with scarfs and fans and double change of bravery, with amber bracelets, beads, and all this knavery. What, hast thou dined? Dinned? The tailor stays thy ledger to deck thy body with his ruffling treasure. Come, tailor, let us see these ornaments. Oh. Sorry, let's pause there. Great. Um, yeah, like why why is he rhyming all of a sudden? What <laughs> what happened? Is it like we've now eaten and now we feel human again and we can rhyme? Um <laughs> I don't know. Um yeah, what are your impressions of, of poor poor Kate and and Grumio? This 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 first interaction before Petruchio and Hortensio, who is visiting question mark. Um uh comes in yeah grayson yeah so i mean i think grumio is a mini uh, petruchio here <laughs> imitating imitating his master and enjoying it and um, uh, and i think shakespeare probably put this in just for another voice to be tormenting um Katarina. yeah and then she beats him <laughs> It's yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was really interesting the bit about how she says, you know, beggars and they have to entreat for things, but I've never had to treat or beg in my entire life. So it's kind of like a progress check where it's like, how's Kate doing in her maturity? And it's like, just finally <laughs> that realization where it's like, I'm having to learn this whole new skill set of like, how do I get what I want without just beating? And then she still hits him. So it's like, oh, okay. It's sort of like, yeah, before Petruchio comes in, you're just like, where are they at here? In the Absolutely. In the but in favor of Kate here, being hungry is terrible. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. She's <laughs> got low blood sugar. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Absolutely. She's been put, to, her feet are to the coals, so to speak. I know. Like, oh, I'll just give you mustard then. Like, I will hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> really don't blame her. <laughs> what was that, Morgan? I really don't blame her at that point. <laughs> I know, right? Like we've all been hangry. It's a horrible place to be. I was talking with a, a, a mental health expert and he was like, you should never have a conversation with anyone if you're hungry. <laughs> it's like, that's difficult. I'm always hungry. <laughs> but it's like so important to feel nourished, right? It's like, oh, it's so, it's so important. Um, I I was really struck Morgan by by this this Kate speech about um like I who never knew how to entreat nor never needed that I should entreat to me is like such an indication and and to me it's like Baptista why didn't you teach her how to say please? Oh my God. Well, this is your mother. Like, <laughs> this reminds me of the conversation we had last time about, about um, the family you were working for, where oh, it yeah. was just so privileged. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about that the other night while I was watching this um, and caught that line and went, yeah, that's what that line's about. 
I don't know how to ask for things. They were always just given to me, you know, is kind of a, and we're, we're reminded constantly that Kate is coming from an incredibly wealthy family. And I think that's really important that, um, I mean, every, you know, entitlement comes in many forms and from many backgrounds, but people who have grown up with a lot and never had to ask for anything, I, I would imagine that that would be a quite a radical shift to go from like, oh, someone makes my dinner to like, I have to make dinner. Like, I don't know what a stove is. <laughs> like, and I always you know. took for granted that it was just sitting there and didn't realize the 45 minutes and the planning and the mental, you know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. never having to really understand where things come from too, I think comes across in this beginning of the scene. My, my favorite example of that was like some of my uh, fellow college students had never done their laundry before. And I was like, how can you have, oh, Never mind. <laughs> you know? But they would, you would just see them. They would be standing in the dorm, like laundry room, like, I don't get it. <laughs> You'd have to be like, okay, so you put your clothes in here. And that, do you have any delicates? Do you, you don't know what that is. Okay, let's just do cold wash. And, you know, but it's like, it's that moment. It's the things that you sort of take for granted that really, um, can, can be so shocking when you, when you realize you have no idea, like, how this works <laughs> this thing um and i i feel that way about cars like just absolutely no idea how they work but and i suppose it's a do. bit of an ego check <laughs> magic too, you know? yes absolutely because she has to feel powerless even when she's always just felt in power because she's such a you know torrent of everything else but now she's really feeling like what it's like to be low status or you know yeah, absolutely. Of oh crap, this is what it, this is what poor people have to deal with. Oh man, that's horrible, and I've left them out out to dry for so long. But yeah. it's also combination of like, like damn it, I'm not like this. I, I I'm rich. I've I've had I have my my rich life. I shouldn't have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I and I also just love that like she is at the point of. Like she's ready to murder Grumio by the end of this. She's like, give me some food. And then I like the idea that she's like throwing things around and like hitting him. And then like Petruchio walks in with this dish of like delicious food and is like, hi, sweetie. Are you hungry? I got some food for you. You know, like, and just being very like nonchalantly, like, shall we eat? You know, um, I think that could be a really funny Makes the oh. rhyming more annoying. <laughs> Absolutely. Your rhyme in my face when I'm like starving here. Give me that food. <laughs> oh. yeah. Maybe that's why he's rhyming. I mean, depending on how good the food is, I've been known to cry over good food. So I could definitely see myself singing or rhyming or doing a little dance. Sure. Myself as, myself as well. I'm, th I'm there with you. Um, Especially if I'm sleep deprived. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. So they're both sleep deprived and hungry. And then he comes in with some sort of, some sort of food. Meat uh, didn't just mean like animal products. It just meant food in this context. So he's coming in with some sort of food um, that she's now allowed to eat, right? Mm -hmm. Because it won't cause collar. <laughs> and Hortensio is there. Hortensio is like, coming to chill with Petruchio. Um, as we learned in our last scene that um, 
Hortensio has decided to give up on Bianca and is going to marry in like uh, three days a widow. But presumably before he gets married, he's going to check out Petruchio and Kate and how they're doing. (laughs) Just a very odd, odd turn of events. It is notable to me that Hortensio is like, Petruchio, like, give your wife some food or whatever he says. It's like, you're too shaming. Like, just give her the food. That to me is is another moment that harkens back to the wedding where where Gremio is like, oh, my God, we thought she was a devil. No, she's an angel compared to Petruchio. So, like, in this strange way, again, Petruchio is, for the first time, making people feel pity for Kate, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's certainly a change in the way that she has been perceived and received socially. Um, So I don't, again... Not a positive or negative spin on that, but just just something to note. Yeah, Carol, please. I have not been able to figure out how Hortensio knows Petruchio and, and why he seems to be like the sidecar on all these adventures. What is he doing there? Yeah. I was just going to ask the same thing. I didn't even know they knew each other. <laughs> yeah, and, and, then, and then when they take that trip back to the fathers, it's Hortensio who's there with them going, oh, come on, Petruchio. Look, you give, she's, you've won. You've won. Give up. Yeah. Well, we do see them at the beginning, like, the only hint that we get is when Petruchio's like, I'm come here to visit my good friend Hortensio. And then, but then Hortensio's like, ah, my good friend Grumio and Petruchio. And it's like, wait, does he, which one does he know? Who's the friend? What's happening? Mm. It's very, there's no history that is spelled out for us with that character relationship but presumably they know each other very well because they visit each other i don't know good old family friend thing going on i'm I'm not sure i'm not sure if it's supported in the text but i'm not sure if batista may have sent him over or something like hey just check on my check on my daughter check on my daughter that is a good an awkward wedding there so i just want to like check in and they are can you can you go do that ended strangely is she still alive (laughs) like could we get a confirmation on that okay and also invite her to her sister's wedding cool it's been a week (laughs) um yeah grayson (laughs) so i think for katarina it must be particularly infuriating that a servant is denying her food and uh i mean a servant is this what her i mean it's one thing marriage okay maybe she can work with him but if she is she gonna have to have servants uh, denier things yeah seems uh, seems uh preposterous <clears throat> <laughs> there's definitely as as we've noted i think in previous episodes there's definitely a class dimension to a lot of these interactions right that that we can really the one person who sort of is actually able to i don't know how to say this to to go between the people who have servants and the servants is Tranio because Tranio is pretending to be Lucentio and is become so becomes kind of has a good relationship with all of these rich people that by the end of it, he's got a prime seat at the wedding table, you know, which probably wouldn't have happened at the beginning of the play. So there is a, there's always an interesting class dynamic in, um, 
in 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 this play and and who has servants and who are the servants and the servants are typically though not always but typically in shakespeare much more on top of things than <laughs> but as we discussed before grumio is is quite eccentric um uh quite an eccentric guy i i, I do I do wonder this last Petruchio speech, Britt, I was wondering if, if you had any any thoughts on this bit about. I will be honest, as I was reading through it, I was not sure exactly. I was trying to figure out what I was saying as I was saying it here. Um, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I really don't know. It's like, eat up, Kate. Um, and then he starts saying all of these sweet, my honey, love. Let's go to your father's house. It's your sister's wedding. We're going to be dressed up splendidly with all of these nice trinkety things. Um, is he oh, just like getting... The first time, Brit, it is dined. Dined? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, is he just getting excited about this tailor coming in and realizing all that he's got left in his to-do list or what here? I don't know. Like, is he, I don't know. I really don't know. I wonder know. if he's teasing her with this description of all these fine clothes and getting her hopes up so that when then he basically. But is that something that she's like worried about at the current present moment? Is she, is she going to be, is Kate going to be hearing this and being like, oh, Ribbons. I mean, that's just a general, a genuine question. I don't, not rhetorical. <laughs> Is Kate a fan of ribbons? These are deep questions. These are deep, deep questions. Rings and things. You know, he did say something, if I recall, very similarly similar to this. I, words. Um, when he first met her and he's like, so Sunday's the wedding. We're going to have rings and things and fine array and kiss me, Kate. Nope. Right. So I, I wonder if this is kind of a harken back, like this is his attempt at like romantic. Remember when we first met and we had that great scene and you hit me. And then I said, I was going off to get nice things. I've brought the nice things here. Hooray. You know, I, I, I I'm not sure, but. But it definitely, yeah, seems like fun. There's no way this isn't kind of light and yeah. playful. Yeah, the language is, so you'd be really going against it to choose something different. So, I mean, maybe he's just kind of, you know, circling. Maybe he's just wearing her out even more, you know? I don't know. I really don't know. And the tailor's waiting for you. And then ruffling, this is really interesting. Thank you again, Robin, for the ruffling meant swaggering and arrogant make a bragging like over the top display so with all of these all of these there does seem to be a bit of a if we recall what he said to me this harkens back to the the clothing issue that we had on the wedding day right that he comes in wearing basically it looks like someone ran over his clothes with a dirt truck um, and he basically says to me, she's married, not unto my clothes. And I wonder if this is like the test of like, are you going to be shallow and, and, and 
She's like a horrible thing. I mean, is he, he is he dressing her up kind of silly? Like, is he going to try to dress her up as a poodle and he wants to see whether or not she's going to, you know, throw off her bow or something? Is he trying to embarrass her? Or is he trying to tantalize her and tease her and show her, like, what, you know, because I, I remember seeing the scene once before and I know that the tailor comes in. I don't remember quite exactly what the outfit is, the context of all that. Yeah, I mean, this is supposed to be a very fine dress for her to wear to her sister's wedding, right? So this this is sort of her first social event, going out in public as a married woman. And there so it, certain, it, yeah. sorry. it is a beautiful dress, and he's just talking about it as if it's not a beautiful dress. Yeah, I, I that's okay. my inclination, that he's really trying to get her to a place where she's like, you know what, it doesn't matter if my dress isn't the finest one there it's okay because i have a husband who loves me and i can eat food only occasionally <laughs> i don't know why i was thinking it as as if like the dress is ridiculous and he's calling out it's ridiculous and she's like the dress is fine i don't care that it's polka dots i love the polka dots i love the polka dots so much can we go to bed can i sleep now for the first time you know what i mean yeah well let's let's go but i into don't it. let's okay. go into it because i think um there's some funny she likes what's been presented and Patricio okay. feigns or does not feign to not like what the haberdasher and the tailor have brought. Okay. Um, so let's go into this section. Come, tailor, let us see these ornaments. Lay forth the gown. What news with you, sir? Here is the cap your worship did bespeak. Why, this was molded on a porringer, a velvet dish. Fie, fie, it is lewd and filthy. Why, does a cockle or a walnut shell, a knack, a toy, a trick, a baby's cap. Away with it. Come, let me have a bigger. I'll have no bigger. This doth fit the time. And, and gentlewomen wear such caps as these. When you are gentle, you shall have one too, and not till then. That will not be in haste. My sir, I trust I may have leave to speak, and speak I will. I am no child, no babe. Your betters have endured me say my mind, and if you cannot, best you stop your ears. My tongue will tell the anger of my heart, or else my heart concealing it will break. And rather than it shall, I will be free, even to the ut uttermost as I please in words. Why thou sayest true, it is a paltry cap, a custard coffin, a bauble, a silken pie. I love thee well, and that thou likest it not. Love me or love me not, I like the cap, and it I will have, or I will have none. Thy gown? Why, hey, come, Taylor, let us see it. Oh, mercy God, what masquerine stuff is here? What's this, a sleeve? Tis like a demi-cannon. What, up and down, carved like an apple tart? Here's snip and nip and cut and slish and slash, like to, to a censor in a barber shop. Why, what a devil's name, Taylor, calls thou this? I see she's like to have neither cap nor gown. You bid me make it orderly and well, according to the fashion and the time. Marion did, but if you'd be remembered, I did not bid you mar it to the time. God hop me over every kennel home, for you shall hop without my custom, sir. I'll none of it tense. Make you best of it. Make your best of it. Never saw a better fashion gown, more quaint, more pleasing, nor more commendable. You like you mean to make a puppet of me? Why, true, he means to make a puppet of thee. She says your worship means to make a puppet of her. Oh, monstrous arrogance. Thou liest, thou thread, thou thimble. 
thou yard, three quarters, half yard, quarter nail, thou flee, thou knit, thou winter cricket, thou braved in mine own house with a skein of thread, away thou rag, thou quantity, thou remnant, or I shall so be meet, be met, be meaty. Be meet, it's a word that Shakespeare apparently made up. Sweet. <laughs> Or I shall so, shall so be meaty thee with thy yard, as thou shalt think on prating whilst thou livest. I tell thee that thou hast marred her gown. Your worship is deceived. The gown is made just as my master had direction. Romeo gave order of how it should be done. I gave him no order. I gave him the stuff. But how did you desire it should be made? Mary, sir, with needle and thread. But did you not request to have it cut? Thou hast faced many things. I have. Face not me. Thou hast braved many men. Brave not me. I will neither be faced nor braved. I say unto thee, I bid thy master cut out the gown, but I did not bid him cut it pieces. Ergo, thou liest. Why, here's, here's the note of the fashion to testify. Read it. The note lies in the throat if he say I said so. In premius, a loose-bodied gown. Master, if ever I said loose-bodied gown, sew me in the skirts of it and beat me to death with a bottom of brown thread. I said, a gown. Proceed. With a small compass cape. I confess the cape. With a trunk sleeve. I confess two sleeves. The sleeves curiously cut. Ah, there's the villainy. Error in the bill, sir, error in the bill. I commanded the sleeves should be cut out and sewed up again. And that I'll prove upon thee, though my little, and that I'll prove upon thee, though thy little finger be armed in a thimble. This is true that I say, and I had thee in place where thou shouldst know it. I am for thee straight. Take thou the bill. Give me thy meat yard, and spare not me. Out of mercy, Grumio, then he shall have no odds. Well, sir, in brief, the gown is not for me. You're in the right, sir. Tis for my mistress. Go, take it up unto thy master's use. Villain, not for thy life. Take up my mistress, gown for thy master's use. Why, sir, what's your conceit in that? Oh, sir, the conceit is dip deeper. Oh, sir, the conceit is deeper than you think for. Take up my mistress, gown to his master's use. Oh, fie, fie, fie. Hortensio, say thou will see the tailor paid. Go, take it hence, be gone, and say no more. Tailor, I'll pay thee for thy gown tomorrow. Take no unkindness of his hasty words. Away, I say. Commend me to thy master. Welcome, my Kate. We will unto your fathers, even in these honest, mean habiliments. Our purses shall be proud, our garments poor, for tis the mind that makes the body rich. And as the sun breaks through the darkest clouds, so honor appeareth in the meanest habit. What is the jay more precious than the lark? Because his fathers are more beautiful? Or is the adder better than the eel because his painted skin contents the eye? Oh, no, good Kate. 
neither art thou the worst for this poor furniture and mean array? If thou accountest it shame, lay it on me, and therefore frolic, we will hence forthwith to feast and sport us at thy father's house. Go call my men and let us straight to him and bring our horses unto Long Lane End. There we will mount and thither walk on foot. Let's see, I think tis now some seven o'clock and well, we may come there by dinner time. I dare assure you, sir, tis almost two until be supper time ere you come there. Until be supper time ere you come there. It shall be seven ere I go to horse. Look what I speak or do or think to do. You are still crossing it. Sirs, let's alone. I will not go today, and ere I do, it shall be what o'clock I say it is. Why, so this gallant will command the sun. Okay. All right. So this poor haberdasher and tailor who have been commissioned to make this beautiful, gorgeous gown with super elaborate sleeves and beautifully fashioned, very, very in vogue, Mm. Um, frequently, well, I'm thinking of the, the Burton Taylor production. He like trashes the dress. He like destroys it completely. But that is again, not in the text, right? He just says, <coughs> no, no, I won't have this one. And then, uh, he says aside to Hortensio, let's be sure that we pay him. That's actually like a pretty nice dress. Um, so there is this like weird, hmm. there's all these weird performative aspects about the scene, which I find quite interesting. And of course, the, the comedy being that both Grumio and Petruchio are both like acting enraged and whatever. And this poor Taylor is like, but I have the, you, this is the order, you assholes. Like, come on, you know, like I have it here. This is what you said. I have the email. I have the email. You signed He's got the receipts. Oh, yeah. Literally. Literally has the receipts. And I love that. Error in the bill. Error in the bill. And like, Rubio's like, the bill lies. The bill lies in its throat. And it's like, no, Grumio, that's not the way bills work. Um, Yeah, Grayson, did you have something? Yeah, when uh, you know, I read through this with uh, Robin Williams in her close reading group, mm-hmm. and I thought in this scene where the, tor- the tailor is being tormented, that I could see Petruchio winking at Katerina, mm. saying, "See, this is uh, because uh, it's not just her that's getting." Uh, you rated it's the tailor, but it's preposterous too. So, yeah, I mean, it is very over the top, isn't it? It does seem like at a certain point, does Kate sort of just stop and wait? I, I, I do wonder if part of what Petruchio is doing is trying to provoke her to tell him that he's being embarrassing, you know, or over the top. If the, if the mm-hmm. Petruchio is trying to provoke Kate to go honey, it's fine. We don't have to have the, you know, like if there is something that he is trying, what is Petruchio trying Mm. to do? I like that. It's like, it's not that I want you docile, honey. I still want you to be able to check me. You just have to learn when to like use your voice or your, you know. um, So if she does, so, oh, sorry. (laughs) No, 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 that's it. I was trailing off. 
no she does doesn't she she's like wait but this is a good dress this is a beautiful Mm. dress this is like the nicest dress i've ever seen um yeah so i i do wonder if there's you know you could play a lot with petruchio's you know if he's like huffing and puffing and then he sort of turns away and she's kind of pleading with him at that one point of like I never saw a better fashion gown. This is so beautiful. Like, I love this. Um, that he has, like, a little silent reaction of, like, ha-ha, yay. Hmm. You know, that it, that, that could be an interesting thing to stage. Um, but then his deliberate, like, mishearing of everything that everyone is saying, too, is, like, it, it's so extreme that it does seem that, like, he's trying to provoke something even more. Um, and I love that the tailor is like, no, no, she wasn't saying that. <laughs> you know, like she was saying that you mean to make a puppet out of it. It's like, how dare you, sir? You know, in my own house. And then they just do this thing, which they do with all tailors in Shakespeare, which is just to call them super skinny. That was apparently a thing in Shakespeare's times that all tailors were like skinny and sharp, like the needles that they used. I don't know why that. <laughs> What a funny stereotype. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, but you get it in Henry the Fourth Part One, like Falstaff when he's insulting Hal, calls him like, you tailor's yard, you sheath, you bowcase, you know, it's like it's all in this. I think Shakespeare really didn't like skinny people too. There's there's enough like you know, Julius Caesar, for example, young Cassius has a lean and hungry look, you know, he thinks too much. There there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like interesting interwoven stuff in there um the speech that really stuck out to me is this second to last petruchio speech about the jay and the lark and the adder and the eel and like what do we really care about outside appearances it's of course like a very weird way to sort of say like appearances aren't everything but that does seem to be what what he's saying here is that like we can set our own value we don't have to go by what yeah, it's really pretty values. Yeah. The language there, I like it. And it's important to me that if you, if thou accounts it shame, lay it on me. If you feel embarrassed by what you're wearing, you can blame me. That to me is an incredibly important line. Like if I were, uh, I had a friend of mine who's a director and I was, I really struggle when I'm trying to cut plays down because I just want to include everything. Um, and he said something to me that, that really stuck with me that had been told to him in college, which was essentially like, when you're trying to cut a play down, find the one line that you want the entire production to be about and cut around that line so that that line becomes your guiding principle. And you can do that within the scenes. And like, for me, if I was cutting this scene, it would be about, if thou accounts to shame, lay it on me that would be the sort of singular most important line in this um please feel free to blame me um being the most important concept that is being conveyed to her in this i i love that and i think that maybe kind of like gets at the the heart of like what's going on with kate a little bit too because and when I'm looking at characters in Shakespeare's plays, my instinct is always kind of to go back to like, what is their drama and what's making them 
act the way we have. And I think it's a weak answer to say that Kate is just like rich and spoiled and that's why she acts this way. Yeah. Cause like there are tons of people who are rich and spoiled and who don't they like act beat way. people. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, her sister doesn't, you know? Um, yes, exactly. And I don't have like an answer on why Kate acts that way, but I do think the idea of her having to be responsible for like upholding her own respectability is really interesting um that like being incredibly demanding might be sort of like a way of protecting herself and that somebody else being like hey like I can bear some of that for you and that being a like a a thing that moves the characters forward is really interesting I don't have a lot more than that I just I really really like that as kind of a focal point I like the way you express that, Myrie. That's really great. That that reminds me of, of something that I think we touched upon a little bit, and it's kind of a crazy notion of mine, that, but that when she brings her... I just don't think Kate has any friends. I think she's pushed everyone she knows away, so that like when she brings her sister in bound, literally binds her hands and drags her around the room... I really think like part of it is like, tell me what your thoughts are. Like, I don't know how to share my feelings in a way that isn't destructive. And like, this is my really, really poor attempt at like trying to like reach out and make a human connection. Like I, I there's something very, I've gotten the sense that Kate is a very lonely person. Um, I don't think you can be that angry and not have some sort of, deep loneliness going on at some point or an inability to connect to other people um but there is some yeah there's just something about about kate that makes me think god damn she just needs a really good friend <laughs> she needs to sit down <laughs> so and, much like, bitch with someone about life like once a week and she would be so much better <laughs> you know? and listen to someone else bitch about the world would also it would just like ah. Uh, reciprocity something she never learned you know <laughs> yeah just, like a reciprocal <laughs> oh, relationship would be really no it's, it's like a reciprocal relationship would be really good that would be excellent yeah. that would be excellent and i do wonder if that's what we're like limping towards <laughs> like if that's what we're like, still trying have, to get to like I, definitely I deep problems oh sorry wait so my i think that's what the conundrum is that's that's kate's peculiar dilemma is that she is in a society and in a um, societal structure where somebody who thinks the way she do who does has no outlet yeah she's got no outlet because she's not conventional and of course petruchio is not conventional which is why they're going to end up it's going to work out for them yeah. and like kate wouldn't be treated the same as she was a man either like men do violent things to express their feelings all the time in plays it's not always treated as good behavior but like yeah if her character was male he'd be handled very differently yeah. i don't know that there would I'm no there, very much there might still be people coming to fix him but <laughs> yeah. i'm very much reminded for some reason of of beatrice and oh if i were a man you know like that that line to me always just leapt off the page of just this like frustration with being boxed into this like inability to truly express oneself. And I do wonder if like part of what Petruchio's 
trying to convey to her with this, like, don't worry so much about appearances. Who cares if it's a pretty dress? Is like, we need to learn how to express ourselves in a less destructive way, but it doesn't mean we have to value the same things that society value. Like, we can still be, like, rich and eccentric. <laughs> of course, this also has to do with money, right? And that they, they will always have access to a huge amount of money so they can kind of be as eccentric as they want. But that there is a productive way to be eccentric and that it doesn't necessarily... What Petruchio seems to be conveying to me in this speech, and I think why this speech sticks out to me is that, like, yeah, we don't, we don't have to be, we don't have to be conventional. We don't have to, we can be the lark and have a beautiful voice. We don't have to be the flashy Jay that actually has a horrible voice, you know, but maybe looks a bit brighter and prettier. Um, there was a, a whole bunch of Jays in California where I was staying in. God damn, do they make annoying noises. They're really so pretty. They're really pretty. They have these beautiful blue and black feathers. But my God, are they annoying. You know, and the lark is just sitting there like warbling away. And is this just very plain, you know, bird. And so I, I, I think that's what he's trying to convey to her. Of course, the flip side of that is like, and I could see very easily negatively being interpreted as like, you should be grateful that you have anything. Which is another direction I could see that speech going. But I felt like just reading through that speech, it, for me, the, and some of it I didn't even really, you know, you, you could unpack it more, but the general sense of it was that it was supposed to be a bringing together, like we're on the same team, like, yes, you know. And that, that line, if thou accounts it shame, lay it on me, blame me. Blame me. If you feel humiliated, please feel free to blame me. Um, I'm ready to take on that responsibility in this partnership. Um, but then he says these hilarious things like bring our horses to the, to the lane's end. There we will mount our horses and then we will walk on foot. Like none of this shit makes sense. <laughs> Just like, what is going on here? Um, and then this deliberate time thing. I don't, quite understand what's going on with the, the last i'm like are you trying to gaslight her because now we're just moving in a different direction we were talking about the larks and all of that and now you're just <laughs> it does seem to me to be a regressive step the last the last like from kate's like i almost feel like she's trying to be helpful like oh no honey like we can't it's almost two. It's going to be much later. We should definitely plan for that. And he's like, God damn it. You are never on my side. And it's like, she's trying to be helpful, you asshole. You know, like it really does seem to be just like another way to to find that he will never. Hmm. I don't know if I want to say that, but there does seem to be a way in which like there is no way that she can win. Right which is the other part of the end of this scene that bothers me the most is like, she can't win no matter what she does. <laughs> um, Wait, I, did you say? We lost you that last moment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, she can't win no matter what she does. I, I genuinely believe that she's trying to be helpful with her last line. I, I think it's about 2 p.m. And so it's going to be much later by the time we get there. 
And he's like, God, I dare a short. Yeah, I dare. Yeah, it's a hard one to rationalize here. Yeah, that one just, I, I trip over that one a little bit. <laughs> well, it's because what he's doing is still real jerky. Even if he's trying to be like, oh, I'm just behaving as badly as you have been. Like, yeah. strictly speaking, yeah. by contemporary standards, that's not his job. Yes. And like, in juxtaposition <laughs> to that line before about like, you know, with whatever your shame, lay it on my feet. I can carry the weight. Da, da, da. It's not like, look what I speak or do or think to do. You're still crossing it. You still haven't learned your lesson, little lady. Like I'm the head of this house. Like it just completely changes <laughs> tone. Yeah, tone it shift. Like yeah. We, it is like, oh, we had a moment of humanity and like, oh, we lost it. Okay. We've lost it. <laughs> it's gone. Damn. You know, it just, yeah, it's, and I think that to me is why. You know, and I, I, I love Hortensio's line. Well, I guess he's going to command the sun now. It's like... <laughs> Thank God for Hortensio in this scene. Just being like, whoa, bro. Go ahead, Morgan. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Not written in the script this way, but it's almost like this little monologue Petruchio has is, is like this aside date. And then it's like Hortensio walks in during the time conversation. Petruchio's like, all right, back into character. <laughs> That is that is an interesting way to think about it. it. it like that, but it's not written. It, it doesn't say Hortensio comes in or anything. But it's as though like Hortensio walks in right as Petruchio is like, all right, I think it's seven o'clock. Let's get to work. And Kate's like, oh, I think it's two. And like, oh well, in for Hortensio, I gotta like counteract this and get back and get back into character and counter Kate again. Yes. Actually, Morgan, that gives I I feel like that makes a lot of sense that actually Hortensio might go out with the tailor in order to pay the tailor and then come in later. And then it's like Petruchio puts back on his his like contrariness. Um, that also reminds me of something that we we talked about a little bit about this idea that a lot of what Petruchio is doing is also for the benefit of the other men in the room that um you know <laughs> something we talked about in in two gents that i know i mentioned in one of these sessions is like this idea that like pickup artists will tell like oh yeah this works every time and like whether whether it does or not is like not even the point it's like that the fact that they're saying that it works every time is somehow impressive to other men Right. It's not really about whether it worked or not. It's about like, oh, wow, that's like a crazy idea, you know, so that there is there is a really like sort of sad, pathetic aspect at the end of the scene here that we can kind of throw on, you know. <laughs> um, Ooh, the pickup artist thing just gets me riled every time. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh my God. We were talking about incel culture too. It was like a whole, it was a whole thing, but you understand how like loneliness, rejection, isolation, somehow uh, we were tracking it in two gents, how Proteus goes from like, Oh, I'm so in love and like blah, blah, blah to like, I must have that thing. I'm not getting that thing. And his language becomes more and more desperate and violent until the final horrific moment at the end of the play and it's just really interesting how well that kind of tracks with this insidious isolated uh community that has has formed over the last 20 years um and, and the violence that it has been linked to um it was really terrifying we were like okay <laughs> let's let's move on let's 
let's move on to something happier like Tronio and the pedant. <laughs> there we go. Let's move on to that. Let's move on to that. Wonderful. Let's move on to Act 4, Scene 4. And let's just do this this first bit before Baptista and Lucentio enter. Whenever you're ready. Sir, this is the house. Please it you that I call. Aye, what else? And but I be deceived, Signor Baptista may remember me near 20 years ago in Genoa. Where we were lodgers at the Pegasus. Tis well and hold your own in any case with such austerity as longeth to a father. I warned you. But sir, here comes your boy. Twere good he were schooled. Fear you not him. Sira Biondello, now do your duty uh, throughly or thoroughly? Throughly, I think. Now do your duty throughly, I, ad I advise you. Imagine twere the right Vincentio. Tut, fear not me. But hast thou done thy errand to Battista? I told him that your father was at Venice and that you looked for him this day in Padua. Thou art a tall fellow. Hold, hold thee that to drink. Here comes Baptista. Set your countenance, sir. Signor Baptista, you are happily met. Sir, this is the gentleman I told you of. I pray you stand good father to me now. Give me Bianca for my patrimony. Is this where we wanted to pause or before Baptista you know starts talking? Let's, um, let's keep going, actually. I just realized sure. this, is, this is rather a short scene. And why don't we... We'll go through uh, Baptista's exit. How about that? Soft, son. So by your leave, having come to Padua to gather in some debts, my son Lucentio made me acquainted with a weighty cause of love between your daughter and himself. And for the good report I hear of you, and for the love he bears to your daughter and she to him, to stay him not too long, I am content in a good, fa in a good father's care to have him matched. And if it and if you please to like no worse than I, upon some agreement, me shall find you ready and willing, with one consent to have her so bestowed. For curious I cannot be with you, Signor Baptista, of whom I hear so well. Sir, pardon me in what I have to say. Your plainness and your shortness please me well. Right true it is, your son Lucentio here doth love my daughter, and she loveth him. For both dissemble deeply at their affections. And therefore, if you say no more than this, then like a father you will deal with them and pass my daughter a sufficient dower. The match is made, and all is done. Your son shall have my daughter with consent. I thank you, sir. Where then do you know best we, we be... I'm sorry, is this a fide? Yeah. Uh, a fide. Where then do you know best we be a fide and such assurance taken as shall with either part's agreement stand? Not in my house, Lucentio, for you know pitchers have ears, and I have many servants. Besides, old Gremio is hearkening still, and haply we might be interrupted. Then at my lodging, and like you, there doth my father lie, and there this night will pass the business privately and well. Send for your daughter by your servant here. My boy shall fetch the, the scrivener, oh my gosh, scrivener? Scrivener, yep. I, I, I knew words once. My boy shall fetch the scrivener presently. The worst is this, that at so slender warning, you are like to have a thin and slender pittance. It likes me well. Cambio, hie you home, and bid Bianca make her ready straight. And if you will, tell what hath happened. Lucentio's father is arrived in Padua, 
and how she like she's like to be Lucentio's wife. I pray the gods she may with all my heart. Dally not with the gods, but get thee gone. Senor Baptista, shall I lead the way? Welcome, one mess is like to be your cheer. Come, sir, we will better it in Pisa. I follow you. Okay, great. <laughs> so, this is like, I don't know, man. I just still, for the life of me, cannot understand why they don't just get in touch with Lucendio's father. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. This is more fun. <laughs> Yes, this is more fun. Let's make it just like more complicated. This is, um, this is totally my dad. Wink. <laughs> yes, I know. It's just very, very, very weird. Um, I love the idea that the pedant has like learned this speech that Tranio has penned. You know that like that like he's like while saying it is like, and then I say this, and then I say. Like take a pause here yes up here <laughs> it reminds yeah it reminds me of like like someone who like wrote their line that they could never remember on their hand you know like he's like senior baptista you know kind of thing like he just can't like he i love the idea that the pen actually doesn't have a good memory and that he's like that trying so to remember all. it would just be just to add to the hilarity and then like tranio with his ill-fitting clothes I think I would have a lot of fun staging this play. Like, um, just the idea of, like, pulling down the sleeve to be like, Baptista. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and then, like, trying to turn it into a hand gesture. To, like, <laughs> yes. cover the, the reading of the, of the, oh, shit, I wash my hands. This part's smudged, you know. Like, I want <laughs> to see a production where um, Christopher Sly plays the pedant. Yeah, totally. <gasps> Absolutely. Oh, that's funny. It's very funny. Well, in our production, that's happening. That's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Tranio is really good at this deception thing. Clearly, like that line really stuck out to me. The Baptista line. Your son Lucentio here doth love my daughter, and she loveth him, or both dissemble deeply their affections, which is exactly what is happening, right? That Tranio and Bianca are both pretending to be in love with each other, so that it seems like... But but what I don't understand is like, so now what? Now they have the father's consent, he would be very... He would be very weirded out, right? If he were to show up and Cambia was the one marrying his daughter because he's given his... Anyway, this whole thing to me... Is this isn't like... thought through, though. Yeah, like... it, just, it just seems like even for these silly people, like, this is a ridiculous plan. Like, absolutely ridiculous. And the idea that, like... Piandello, Tranio, Lucentio, and Bianca are all like, yeah, this is the best way to do this. Just like really to me makes all of their characters less intelligent than I would like them to be <laughs> somehow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like that thing yep. that I remember an acting teacher said of like, always make the choice that makes all the characters the most intelligent. And it's like with this plot, <laughs> subplot, this is like, makes all the characters much less intelligent somehow. I, I, 
Yeah, were there any any thoughts from the the participants in this scene about this the Baptista pedant interaction? Does the Tranio like as soon as like Baptista is like, "All right, sounds great. I guess we're on." Then Tranio's like, "Great. Next." Baptista's pretty credulous, I think. It's a match. Give me your hands. Oh, you sped well with her. Excellent. Yeah. I believe you. Well, and your plainness and your shortness please me well. Like, what is that whole bit about? <laughs> I love I how we... haltingly and strangely you speak. <laughs> I would love to be co-father-in-law with you. Like, what? <laughs> well, maybe we add Baptiste to the list of characters who are made slightly less intelligent by this scene. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems very silly. It reminds me of the outlaw scenes in Two Gents, where there's these three outlaws that come in and they immediately threaten Valentine. They're like, we're going to kill you. And he's like, all right, listen, friends. They're like, we're not your friends. And he's like, okay, guys, here's the truth. I was banished because I killed a guy. And they're like, we want you to be our leader. <laughs> it's just like, like within one second, they're like, and if you say no, we'll kill you because you won't brag that we asked you to be. And it's like, who are these people? Like, what are they? What are they doing with their lives? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, Allie, go ahead. <laughs> it makes me wonder if it's part of that, like, male competition thing that we keep seeing cropping up where mm. it's like, you're not bigger than me. You're not really like showy or flamboyant. Like, I don't have to compete with you in any way. This will work for me. This will work I like that. I like that like Baptiste is like, ah, I see you are plain and and your and your plainness and shortness are good because I'm neither of those things. So that's great. We'll be a good pair. <laughs> you know? I look even taller and even less plain next to you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Grayson, go ahead. Yeah, so I wonder if Shakespeare, I mean the scene before. Katerina and Petruchio, the scene after Katerina and Petruchio, and this is like a palate cleanser or something. Yeah. I mean, just something to to get engaged you just enough so that you know when they come back, Petruchio and Katerina, then you it has a presence. So you're saying this is our lemon sorbet scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There we go. Okay, cool. I love sorbet. That sounds good. Um... <laughs> Wait, is this a comedy? um yeah i mean i think this is this sort of it's hard to call it a subplot because it it really (laughs) seems like a dual plot it really does seem that each of the two plots are given equal stage time um it isn't you know it parallel plots here so i wonder if maybe that's our way in is just seeing again Shakespeare drawing attention to the fact that of the four people that we've seen so actually five people that we've seen so far three of them are disguised and pretending to be someone that they aren't and that these negotiations and niceties societal niceties are all part of a deception right and that Petruchio is and Kate are not being deceiving in their behavior they're actually as sort of ungentle as uh, ungentlemanly and ungentlewomanly behavior as they exhibit they also aren't lying 
I wonder if we're meant to make that connection or perhaps not. I'm, that Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But I'm just thinking a lot because so many of these early comedies, it's like you have the scene with the lovers and then that scene is immediately paralleled and parodied by one of the servant characters. Like my favorite one, for example, is like, Julia and Proteus giving their romantic farewell. And then the next scene is Lance giving the great speech about how his dog didn't cry while he was saying goodbye to the, you know, and, and it's this amazing farewell speech and his mother is the shoe and his father is the other shoe. And, the, you know, it's this great comedy piece, but he's genuinely talking about exactly the same thing that the previous scene has been about, which is essentially this fond farewell and saying goodbye to all you knew and moving on to a new new place and i do wonder if if we're meant to kind of feel that these the niceties and the sort of shaking hands is all fake right nobody's speaking truthfully to each other except for baptista who is under the impression that he is meeting tranio disguises lucentio father and neither one is who they say they are and so even though they're able to speak in a very genteel way and have all of these manners what's revealed is that there is nothing at the core of them but maybe that's a bit of a stretch i don't know that's kind of what i was getting from that <laughs> shall we finish up the the scene so it looks like Cambio exits and Lucentio then re-enters as himself when Baptista exits. So we now have Lucentio, Biandello, and Tranio, and Baptista and the pedant have just left the stage. Cambio? What sayest thou, Biandello? You saw my master wink and laugh upon you? Biandello, what of that? Faith, nothing. But he has left me here behind to expound the meaning or moral of his sighs and signs and tokens. I pray thee, moralize them. Then thus, Baptista is safe, talking with the deceiving father of a deceitful son. And what of him? His daughter is to be brought to you, is to be brought by you to the supper. And then? The old priest of St. Luke's Church is at your command at all hours. And what of all this? I cannot tell. Expect they are busied about a counterfeit assurance. Take you assurance of her. Oh, shit, there's Latin. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Cum priv privilegio? Cum privilegio. Cum privilegio ad imprimendum solemn. To the church, take the priest, clerk, and some sufficient honest witnesses. If this be not that you look for, I have no more to say, but bid Bianca farewell forever and a day. Hearest thou, Biondello? I cannot tarry. I knew a wench married in an afternoon as she went to the garden for parsley to stuff a rabbit, and so may you, sir, and so adieu, sir. My master hath appointed me to go to St. Luke's to bid the priest be ready to come, Against you come with your appendix. I may and will, if she be so contented. Uh, she will be pleased, then wherefore should I doubt? Hap what hap may, I'll roundly go about her. It shall go hard if Cambio go without her. Okay, so I've got some, a lot of questions here. 
does Lucentio not feel that she's going to say yes to this elopement? Is he worried at the end of this? It kind of sounds like he he at least thinks it could be a possibility. She will be pleased and wherefore should, and like why should I doubt? Why should I doubt? But it does seem to be like sort of bucking himself up a little bit at the end there. Yeah, kind of telling himself like no, she's 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 going to love it. It's going to be fine. She's cool. She's going to cool. be fine. It better be <laughs> fine. It's odd to me that this seems to be a new plan that Tronio has concocted that Lucentio is only now being looped into man Tronio is just doing everything in this plot like to move this whole thing forward it's kind of the most the <laughs> most the mostest Biondello's like okay so you've got to get a witness and bring her to the church I think yeah that one church yeah that one you can although get married. <laughs> I am finding more to support my uh my pitch for Biondello that he's just the most sarcastic the whole play. So I love Cambio. That. I kind of love that. <laughs> I've already committed to the path of stupidity, but like I really, really love a sarcastic Biondello. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that actually. I think, I think that would that would definitely work here. <laughs> Biondello is like is kind of like the stage manager to like um Franio's trying to be like the actor, playwright, and director all at once. It's like, okay, let me take all the notes. Let me pass those on to the actors. Okay. Oh man, I gotta wash my blacks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like definitely over everything. Like, <laughs> like yeah. have y'all checked in on the fact that what you're doing is like a little morally ambiguous? No? Okay. It's fine. Like I have to mop the stage, but sure, I can do those other five new things. It's cool. <laughs> oh, we that love stage managers. Not two o'clock. <laughs> stage managers are our heroes. We love them. They are the best. Um, I also, what is this bit about? She went to the garden for parsley to stuff a rabbit, and then she was married. What is this implying? Is this implying that Bianca is, like, being abducted? Like, yeah. what is... I, I, I got no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I just said a bunch of words, and... <laughs> we, we, we hear that line, you know, like, every night, and I'm, I sit there every night, and I go, what the heck? What the heck is that line? <laughs> she went to the garden for parsley to stuff a rabbit. There's a and... lot about rabbits. There's two places where they talk about coney catching. Yeah. Yeah. This but, doesn't. Like... And, and so may you, sir. It's like you're gonna get married while you're doing other stuff. Like, <laughs> what? I'm trying to like break it down, and it's such a weird little line. Yeah. Day question mark. Like I don't. <laughs> like was she married in the garden? I I'm just I'm very confused about this bit. Okay, so he says I cannot tarry. I can't like waste any time. And then he talks about another person getting distracted, but then he refers to Lucentio, so he's not talking about himself, even though it sounds like he is. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> 
I yeah, mean, your like, your kidnapping theory is the only one that makes any kind of sense to me. Yeah, right? Like, she was going out. I knew she was married in an afternoon when all she did was go out to get parsley to stuff a rabbit. It's like, and then she was abducted and forced to marry someone? Question mark? Like, what is happening here? Uh, is there, like, a significance to parsley that we don't know about? That's, like, taking oh some gosh. plants? We're stuffing rabbits? <laughs> It's like, because it sounds like a warning. It does sound like a warning. It it sounds like a warning not to be too hasty, but also be hasty. Like, I, I just, I, I don't, I can't make heads or tails or a rabbit's head or tail of, of this bit. It definitely feels like it's throwing some shade at Tranio. Like, my master made me go do this. So, yeah. you know, I can't say and talk to you, but thinking about rabbits and parsley and deductions um, and what's the deal with the uh the bit about the appendix at the end right uh appendix here uh meaning well, i got a thing on that addition, like the addition of like an appendix to a book mm. yeah isn't like the list of things like um, all the stuff that they're keeping track stuff. of yeah like, um, <laughs> with your lady <laughs> your appendix could that also be a reference to like all of the lies that's kind of what i was thinking when i was reading like it's a list of like sense. oh just all that stuff we have to keep track of all the lies feels very stage manager -y. yeah <laughs> yeah make sure you touch all your props yes <laughs> yeah, check your props check your props people and this the the latin with the sole right to imprint. This is what this means. Apparently, this is a statement of the, the publisher's right to print or reproduce or to do with their marriage. It's really weird. It's just a weird... The ending to this scene to me is just like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I just don't... Hmm. Anyway, maybe all will be revealed when we next see Lucentio and Bianca. Perhaps. Let's we'll we'll leave it at that. And we'll move on to four or five. <laughs> Come on, in God's name, once more toward our fathers. Good Lord, how bright and sh and goodly shines the moon. Moon the sun. It is not moonlight now. I say it is the moon that shines so bright. I know it is the sun that shines so bright. Now by my mother's sun, and that's myself, it shall be moon or star or what I list or ere I journey to your father's house. Go on and fetch our horses back again. Evermore crossed and crossed, nothing but crossed. Say as he says, or we shall never go. Horde, I pray, since we have come so far, be it moon or sun or whatever, or what you please. And if you please to call it a rush candle, henceforth I vow it shall be so for me. I say it is the moon. I know it is the moon. Nay, then you lie. It is the blessed sun. Then God be blessed it is the blessed sun. But sun it is not when you say it is not. And the moon changes even as your mind. What will you have it named even that it is? And so it shall be so for Catherine. Petruchio, go thy ways. The field is won. Well, forward, forward, thus the bowl should run, and not unluckily against the bias, but soft company is coming here. Good morrow, gentle mistress, where away? Tell me, sweet Kate, and tell me truly, too, hast thou beheld a fresher gentlewoman? 
such war of white and red within her cheeks. What stars who spangle heaven with such beauty as those two eyes become that heavenly face? Fair lovely maid, once more good, good day to thee. Sweet Kate, embrace her for her beauty's sake. It will make the man mad to make a woman of him. Young budding virgin, fair and fresh and sweet, whither away or where is thy abode? Happy the parents of so fair child, happy the man whom favorable stars allot thee for his lovely bedfellow. Why, how now, Kate? I hope thou art not mad. This is a man. Old, wrinkled, faded, withered, and not a maiden, as thou sayest. <laughs> Pardon, old father, my mistaking eyes that have been so bedazzled with the sun that everything <laughs> I look on seemeth green. Now I perceive thou art a reverend father. Pardon, I pray thee for my mad mistaking. Do, good old grandsire, and withal make known which way thou travelest. If along with us, we shall be joyful of thy company. Fair sir, and you, my merry mistress, that with your strange encounter much amazed me. My name is called Vincenzo, my dwelling, Pisa, and bound I am to Padua there to visit a son of mine, which long I have not seen. What is his name? Lucencio, gentle sir. Happily met, the happier for thy son. And now by law, as well as reverend age, I may entitle thee my loving father, the sister to my wife, this gentlewoman, thy son by this has married, by thy son by this hath married. Wonder not, nor be grieved, she is of good esteem, her dowry wealthy and of worthy birth. Besides, so qualified as may be seen the spouse of any noble gentleman. Let me embrace with old Vincenzo, and wander we to see thy honest son, who will of thy arrival be full joyous. But is this true, or is it else your pleasure, like pleasant travelers, to break a jest upon the company you overtake? I do assure thee, father, so it is. Come, go along, and see the truth hereof, for our first merriment hath made thee jealous. Well, Petruchio, this has put me in heart. Have to my widow, and if she be forward, then hast thou taught Hortensio to be untoward. Uh, Hortensio, oh boy. Yeah, I'm, 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 this, this one's hard for me to, to swallow. Petruchio's being a jerk. Yeah, I'm with you on this one now. (laughs) This scene is really hard to kind of fit the sort of. I don't know, the themes that we've been exploring and everything else, because this just feels like gaslighting and not in a good way. Oh, yes, I totally agree. I feel like this is, um, this moment, I say it is the moon. I know it is the moon, you know. No, you lie, it's the sun. Oh, yes, isn't it great? It's the sun. This does seem to me to be all about, like, is everything a battle? Are they going to pick a fight on everything? And this seems to me to be the test, but it is really, really assholeish. Thing or is it like supposed to show that they've kind of gone full circle and now Petruchio is the one? Like, is it supposed to just show Kate really has become... Has become like... A normal human being? Normal. Right, right, right. Yeah. Is it supposed to have gone, yeah, just flipped it. So now that you're questioning him, I don't know. Because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. The thing I get from this is pick your battles, (laughs) which is something that I think all partners need to learn, right? It's like, pick your battles. What are you going to, when are you going to actually, when is it important to be right? You know, 
which is sometimes a really difficult thing to learn, I think. This, this whole thing to me also about, oh, look at this sweet young woman, and then they turn it into, oh, no, this is a reverend sire, you know. It does seem to me to be about embarrassment, right? And getting rid of that part, at least to me, seems to be about let's stop worrying about if people think we're weird <laughs> is still what I'm getting from that. But the first half of the scene about the moon, it's the it's the moon. It's the moon. Yes, of course, dear. It's the moon. You know, that part to me, definitely, I, I'm with you. That part is, is a, a bit more difficult. I like I mean, the idea that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Myrie. Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, it feels consistent with Petruccio's character and something that I sort of was thinking about earlier, which is just, again, like, it's not his job to fix this person. He doesn't have to marry her. Doesn't have to turn her into a better human. He has no obligation to be around her. And it's not her fault her sister can't get married. That's her dad, like imposing consequences for her behavior on her sister who has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So, like, somebody choosing, like, yeah, I'm going to get involved in this person's life and I'm going to fix them does not feel to me like somebody who would stop trying to prove that they're right even after they have already proved it. That behavior tracks to me of being like, ha ha ha. I'm right. I'm just going to keep on rubbing that in. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I like it because it means they're both flawed and there's not just one person who's like right the whole play. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's what's important about this scene is seeing how Kate fully commits to the bit. Right. And like she's learned how to commit to the performance of like young budding virgin fresh and fair you know like this whole bit about like look at this beautiful young like she's gone over the top she's like matching him in his sort of obsequiousness in this strange way and that she is committing to this performance i love that it's like i have been so bedazzled with the sun Are we calling it the sun or is it the moon? I've lost track. You know, like there's a really fun, I think there's like a moment there that that you were playing with Morgan that I really enjoyed of like, are we saying it's the moon or the sun? I've I've lost track. Or is it a candle? I, I don't, you know, and I think that's a moment for, it's almost like she is putting on a performance, not so much for Vincenzo, Vincentio, but for Petruchio. Right. And I, I, and to me, it's like what's demonstrated with this scene is that she's learned how to use a different tactic than we've seen her use before, which is the, I'm going along with this. And in fact, I'm going to outperform you in weirdness, Petruchio. I'm going to out weird you. So to me, there's still like this little bit of an edge of competition, but, um, but it is, to me important that we have that moment of her going yes dear it's the moon oh look it's a beautiful young girl oh no i'm so sorry i was wrong it is a reverend sire you know that 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 each one of these you know faking it till you make it for lack of a sort of better (laughs) term is like is a way of 
her actually getting her way, which is moving forward. And it might not be the most efficient way to move forward, but it she has discovered that she's capable of engaging with other tactics besides hitting people. Right. Which I think we're supposed to see as hashtag progress, but like also it's couched in such like a problematic power dynamic that it's also difficult to get past that as well. I, I would, I would very much agree with that. Yeah. Oh, I love Hortensia over there. All like, just, just, just go along with it. This like, we're never going to leave. <laughs> Um, and then poor Vincentio, right? Tell me about Vincentio, Grayson. Like, this poor guy is just, like, yeah. on the road, and these people are just treating him so strangely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a stranger. <laughs> he's older, and uh, actually, he's one of the few people in the play that is not impersonating you know, somebody else. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but... Uh, for me, reading it, I mean, it's cruel, I think, what he, what they do to him. And yeah. I don't know, I, uh, I mean, if you see it on stage, I mean, it works very effectively on stage because he comes in, he's a little older, and then you have this you know, back between what they're t- talking about and what he is. So, I mean, it works as a, a stagecraft, but uh, not the most pleasant thing for Vincenzo to have to go through. And then immediately after this, when he's like, he's really trying to be super polite and like, fair sir, and you, my merry mistress, what a funny joke you played on me. I'm going to be on my way now, you know. Um, And then Petruchio was like, oh, who's your son? Oh, like, we're your in-laws, which is just like, that's got to be kind of a blow. (laughs) Like, oh, shit, what? (laughs) That could be, be, uh, I think, played for a lot of comedy of like, and this is, of course, there's so many internal stage directions. Um, the sister to my wife, this gentlewoman, thy son by this time hath married, you know, wonder not because wonder here, meaning like full of wonder and astonishment kind of as it were. So his re Shakespeare is giving the actor a lot of, uh, internal stage directions like he is absolutely shocked by this news right and of course it's like of course he's coming to see his son on the day that his son is eloping with the woman I'm always surprised at how everyone always runs into the people they need to run into on the street in these plays you know oh yeah <laughs> what if they missed it by just one second well that's what, so how we convenient. get the end of Romeo and Juliet right someone didn't get the letter if only the postal service was better. <laughs> um, like, Freaking Balthazar. Gosh, darn it, Balthazar. <laughs> Why'd you have to be such a good writer? Do we think Hortensio has like understood what Petruchio's been trying to do with his final little bit there? I, I mean, I think he definitely gets that Petruchio's kind of being an annoying butthead, to use the scientific term. <laughs> That's a very scientific term, and I think very accurate here. Um, yeah. Half to my widow. Forward like, to my widow. If she be froward, right, which is like contentious 
a bit, like someone who's quick to anger. Then hast thou taught, have you, Petruchio, taught Hortensio to be untoward or perverse? Also, just this bit here, like, go thy ways, the field is won. Like, that feels to me like recognition of, like, come on, bro, you, like, you won. Just let it yeah. go. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And interesting that Hortensio sort of, like, Hortensio kind of gives us that perspective of, like, someone else who's witnessing all this happening and being like, bro, just stop. Like, you've had your way. Enough is enough. That, to me, also feels significant because Hortensio was, was quite horrible to Kate at the beginning of the play, what he taught, what he said about her, that it almost seems like he's come to, he's come around to her side, which, again, is that, are we supposed to read that as, like, Petruchio has made people feel, like gently and compassionately towards Kate for the first time in her life? I don't know. That that also seems like maybe it's a stretch, but maybe not. I, I don't know. Hortensio also seems like someone, he's, he's just, he knows his limits. He knows, like, how far he can go until, obviously, it's his, his, his goal is unreachable. Like, he's, he's learned the lesson of, like, okay, obviously, this isn't working anymore. It's time to move on. Yeah. Like, he that with Bianca. It's like, okay, they're, like, making out now. They're, like, so like madly in love and there's just no hope for me anymore I, I should just i should just head out now yeah and he sees petruchio like being this way toward kate and he's just like dude just like stop it's, it's work just like just just stop yeah yeah you gotta know when when to just stop man absolutely yeah it, it definitely leaves us in a, in a weird place at the end of act four you know we've only got one act to tie all of this up um, and I feel like we're left in a what's going to happen next kind of feeling, you know, because we've seen Kate try different tactics and then revert to violent behavior, which has happened twice so far. I think we're meant to wonder as the audience, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? Right. And we're, of course, set up for the great farce of Vincentio coming to Baptista's house and being like, I hear my son and your daughter are getting married. And of course the pedant will be there and hilarity ensues, you know? So I think we're meant to like leave this act feeling like we're set up for a great scene of I'm in disguise. No, you're in disguise. Nobody's in disguise. Ah! And then also like, what is gonna, how is, how are we resolving Petruchio and Kate's relationship? That's at least where, where, where I've landed. Did, did anyone else have any sort of thoughts about the, about this second half of Act 4? I feel like I'm more confused than I was last time we recorded, honestly. Mm. <laughs> a lot to unpack. I think this... I don't know why, but this, this bit of this act, to me, is more... Gives me more ethical dilemmas, I feel like, than the first than the first half and that scene with the throwing of the food and your speech about the hawking Somehow, and i guess yeah i just i'm trying to you know look at it in the historical context and think that like yeah it's definitely progressive in a lot of ways and you know like tries to you know equalize us and the humanity of it and all that relationships but at the end of the day this is a couple in elizabethan time and they did not have the foresight you know to really break it apart, I think, as well as we have done. So it, it could just be, you know, tying into just some, just patriarchy. I don't know that, you know, in some ways 
it is good power balance that a woman just kind of deals with the man no matter what. And maybe you're supposed to look at it and think, well, at least Petruchio usually is pretty level-headed because, you know, a lot of wives end up with a guy who's going to say that the grass is blue and you're like, yeah, the grass is blue and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a, it is a, to me, we're also sometimes left with this idea that like the woman has to make her own desires subliminal, right? Like that, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that her own sense of truth and anger, my tongue shall tell the anger of my heart. Right. Which she has that, that beautiful line in this act that it's like Petruchio doesn't have to change. Right. I think that's where the, where the ethical dilemma comes in, which we talked, we talked a bit about last time is this idea that like, you know, it makes a lot of sense for people who like are in a couple and want to motivate each other and are like, okay, like we both need to exercise more. So like, let's make a deal and like we'll go on runs together on Mondays and Fridays, you know, and then we're going to eat better and blah, blah, blah. But if it's like one person saying to the other one, like you need to exercise more, like that's not an equal, yeah, it's almost a, a reciprocal sort of motivator, right? It's a very one-sided power dynamic. So that's, I think that's maybe where we're getting a bit caught up here. At the end of the act four, it almost makes me, he makes me feel like he's trying to imply that like, you know, the reason Kate is all out of humors or out of sorts or whatever is because she's just so angry. And that's something that's reserved for a man and like a good wife when she's really trained is able to temper her own emotions for the sake of her husband or something, you know, like, yeah, she's having to, cause he has put her in a place by the end of act four where she's having to, she no longer has that agency that I guess I saw earlier in the act. You know, it's her having to literally kind of acquiesce to whatever his whims are at the time. And so it's just hard for me to kind of, I don't know, maybe I'll have more thoughts when we get back at act five and I've had some yeah. time with it. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to sort of see where we go from here. Cause this feels like very much kind of the edge of a cliff <laughs> for me, like with, the, with this play and like, where are we going to land? I, I just don't know where we're going to land yet. <laughs> so that's exciting. Well, thank you everyone.